All right, yeah, Coach Nation. Uh, I know we took a week off. We're back with the podcast. We got D Hall and Brandon Flowers on. Uh, Eddie won't be joining us today, I don't believe, but you know, um, hopefully we'll have him on in a future episode. Uh, Want to jump in? We, we, like I said, we skipped last week. We had a big win on the road against UNC. Um, it was a tight game, you know. Brandon, what did you – you talked about it on Twitter, just the team's resilience to come from behind and overcome different turnovers and stuff like that to pull out a win on the road. Um, what did you see and what did you like from – What I like, you know, what th- this team is interesting, man. Virginia Tech is very interesting. They're a team that shows their youth at times, you know, when it comes to big parts in the game. You know, whereas Notre Dame, where we'll fumble the ball, trying to go in and score before the half. But then it'll show some resilience that only the top three, four teams in the nation can pull off when it comes to scoring right after that touchdown. I mean, touchdown from Notre Dame on defense, we marched down to score. In the UNC game, UNC ready to put, the ball, put it away, which I feel like the score should have never been that close. They ready to put the game away, defense step up, make them fumble on a one-yard line, and then the offense drive 96 yards to win the game. Like, a lot of teams would at least got to the 35, kick the long field goal if it was a tie game, but we scored touchdowns in clutch situations. So, to me, it's just doing nothing but putting ice in our kids' veins, man. A lot of these kids are freshmen, sophomores, a couple joints sprinkled in. I mean, if they, part of winning games is believing when these kids believe that they can drive down at any point and score big, I mean, that alone is just what you need to be a great football team. Yeah. And, and we're showing it. I just feel like we need to play consistent on each side of the ball, eliminate all the penalties, and just get better every week and put our head down. I'm not saying that we're going to be undefeated for the rest of the season to the ACC championship. It's just a young team. We're going to have our ups and we're going to have our downs. But, man, just keep pushing because this team is showing something every week that's special about it. And I just want to see where they hold their head up at when it's all said and done at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, we got a challenging schedule coming up. The way I see it, uh, the games are going to be pretty much even against Georgia Tech, Boston College, UVA, Miami, uh, Pitt. Um, down the stretch, you know, the teams are going to be evenly matched. D-Hall, when you go into situations like that, how important is it uh, to play clean football and kind of eliminate the mistakes and, and kind of grow from week to week? I mean, it's huge. It's huge. You heard exactly what, what Brandon said, where, you know, watching this team grow up and mature is good because they are young. And it's getting them ready for those type of games and those type of situations because a lot of these kids have never been in those situations. So. And so, you know, it's it's practice for them to be able to come from behind against a good UNC team on the road. Um, you know, it's just going to help help build so much character for a lot of these young kids who, like I said, haven't been in these situations. And so, you know, what they need to do, though, is exactly what we talked about is just focus on their assignment, focus on their alignment, and just go out there and play to the best of their ability. Um, you know, because I think we've all seen, you know, when Tech's rolling, 
they're as good as anybody in the country. But it's when they start doubting themselves that, you know, that I guess we as fans don't really see the product we, you know, we expect them to see on the football field. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Just last weekend, it was a ton of uh, upsets around college football, UVA knocking off Miami, Iowa State. Um beat West Virginia, uh, just a bunch of teams that got knocked off. Uh, Georgia lost to LSU. And one thing I kind of noticed is the consistency. And I don't know if it's because of the 20-hour practice rule. I don't know if because kids are going home to play Fortnite or, you know, I don't know what it is. But, D-Hall, you're coaching high school right now. What is the kind of – do you think it has anything to do with the attention span of kids to be able to just – do their job? I mean, I don't know if it's attention span as it is just attention to details. You know, even 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 with you know with the high school kids I coach, they don't know, but we have an ability to see who's watched film. And you would be surprised, man. I can remember when we had a game Friday watching games all week of 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 VHS tapes of you know the teams we're playing. And these kids don't seem interested at all to to kind of, you know, to do their homework and their research. I tell kids all the time, like, y'all want to play in the NFL, but y'all don't want to work. Like, y'all think it, the NFL is like, is, 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 is a day off. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not a real job. When it's, I mean, heck, it's more work than, than real jobs, man. Like, flowers to tell you. We only on the field about an hour and a half a day. The rest of that time is in the classroom. And what I think a lot of kids don't understand is as you continue to keep playing ball, college, keep going, go to the league, um, if you're fortunate enough, it's 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 more mental than it is physical, man. At the end of the day, it's still football. It's still running, tackling, catching the ball, all that. But the difference is, is that film study and that preparation you put into um, you know, the finished product. And that's what I think a lot of kids don't really see the big picture when it comes to that. They don't see, um, you know, a lot of the superstars putting their time in. So they think that they don't have to. Yeah. When in actuality, man, them dudes put in so much time that the average person doesn't see that I don't know if our kids are doing that. Because if they was, then a lot of things that we see happening in games wouldn't happen. Yeah. And I, I you Brandon, you can talk about it. I think that's a learned skill set. You know, when I came into college, I, I knew how to watch film, but we talked about it before, having guys like Benny Fuller or Eric Green or D. Hall with Jimmy Williams, um, having guys that kind of taught you, and a coach, you know, coaches that taught you how to watch film and drill down on, hey, this guy lines up on the hash, this play – they like to run this route on this down and distance. You know what I mean? How, you know, can you talk about that a little bit? So I, to go back to what D hall was talking about when, when he mentioned the kids these days, just see the glitz and glamor and think that's all it is. I think it's because they're the new millennials. That's what they see. Now we didn't have IG. We didn't have Twitter for everybody to show like they highlights on the film all the time. I mean, they highlights on the field all the time them driving in their cars. It was almost like making the NFL was a myth. Like, you didn't really know too many people that made it. And when you made it, you always wonder how it was to get there. 
So it's kind of like, I'm going to kind of almost do whatever it takes because it's almost a myth to get there. But now they see it. It's in front of them. They feel like, oh, such and such in the league. And even the guys on practice squad, they post some videos and show themselves in somebody's car. They just, everybody thinks going to the NFL is not that hard. You don't put in so much work. And I just think it's because of social media today. And I think it's not going to change, you know. And it's going to take great coaches to sit their guys down that really care about the players and actually show them, show them how to watch film, how to prepare, how to take care of your bodies. Always stretch after workouts. Because if a coach don't do that, I mean, a kid is he, – he's done if he can't learn that on his own. So I think, I think nowadays coaching is more important than it's always been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and um, I mean, with the salaries that these coaches are making, you know, and I was talking to um, a former friend of mine, uh, Elton Brown, who played at UVA. He was an All-American, has his jersey retired at UVA. We were just reminiscing about football, and Brandon, you and I even talked about it. I don't know when the game became so complicated, you know, it's almost like they've added so much stuff to being a college athlete and being playing the game that it's kind of slowed these guys' reaction time. Back in the day, it was, you know, it wasn't all these personnels. It wasn't, you know, Jets. Well, it wasn't RPOs. It was just like. Well, yeah, B, I was going to say it's, it's just the evolution of football. Because you think about even when I came in the league, like teams played a majority of 21 personnel, 22 personnel. You know, it wasn't a lot of nickel. You saw nickel on passing downs. You didn't see it, or you saw it really on third down. You didn't really see it through the course of the rest of the game. Now it's 80, 80% uh, nickel personnel, you know, that teams are using as their base formation, whether it's on offense or defense. And so, yeah, I mean, there's so many different routes that kids have to think about and have to cover as a corner. Think about, think about when Daryl Green played, what routes were he covering? a comeback, a fade, a post, maybe a curl. Man, they got back shoulders now, dog. They would eat some of these <laughs> corners up who played back in the day. You know, it's so many. Like, the back shoulder to me is an option route, is a fade option. If you're even, throw it high. If you're ahead of me, throw it back shoulder. Um, and it's, it's like that on so many different routes. Even, even slot receivers now pretty much have built-in option routes to where they're always open um, because they have that option to always be open. Whereas back in the day, hey, you got a route you ran. And so, I mean, just football in general has uh, has definitely evolved. And, I, you know, you can't be mad at that. That's the evolution of the game. But so it, it's also – These kids are going to be a little bit slower uh, because they got more stuff to cover and more stuff to worry about. Yeah. And that's, that's that's the that's the evolution of sports, period. Like if you look yeah. at the NBA, I mean you had to have a legit center that's seven foot. You had to have a legit power forward because they used to bang down low. Now a six eight guy can be the center and all they want is shooters right now. So it's just the evolution of sports. You remember when Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali, a lot of those guys was fighting George Foreman, it was more stand your ground. It's slugging match. And then when Pretty Boy Floyd came, now it's all about making you miss and countering and tap, tap, and there's no more knockouts. So it's, it's just the evolution of sports, man. I yeah. mean, the kids today do have a lot on their plate, like how you seen in the game uh, 
against Notre Dame, uh, the safety got hit with a dig and go. Like, how do you cover that? Like, when they run those on the regular now. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a lot that goes into the evolution of sports. Yeah. But I think that's when it puts even more, in my opinion, focus on your head coach because just looking at people who've been successful, watching Nick Saban, you know, his kids do the little things the right way. And that's that's kind of what I think the formula is going to be for this team moving forward. Winning is going to be who do, who does the little things right, who makes the least mistakes on a consistent basis. You know, the team that I went to the UVA-Miami game, they had five interceptions in the first half between the two teams. You know what I mean? Like, and UVA just cut down on the turf. You know, they, they were able to capitalize, but – you know, I think that's what it's going to take to win. How how important is it going to be to play, like, clean football and just, you know, have coaches that focus on the little details and getting their kids to just play assignment football? I mean, you go win 80% of your games alone winning a turnover battle and playing good D at the end of the day. If you don't turn the ball over and you play good defense, you go win 80% of the time. I mean – that's what makes college football so interesting because they're not getting paid not to make mistakes. You're going to have people that's going to make mistakes. The guy can be a hell of a player, but it's just he's going to make those one, two, or three minimum mistakes a game, and that can cost you a game. You got to remember Nick Saban, he built, he built like a dynasty over there. So when kids come over there, I feel like when they go to Alabama, they all ears. Like whatever Nick Saban has to say, Every coach is going to want to coach for Alabama because they're going to feel like they can get a head coaching job somewhere else. And on top of that, they get – they whole roster probably is five stars sprinkled with four stars. Yeah. So they're going to have the best players on the field and they're going to have some of the best coaches in the land. So I think he built a factory and they're going to be good for a long time. So it's not going to be as hard for Nick Saban to win games as opposed to some of these other teams around the country. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, you're 100% right. Yeah. Yeah, about that. And I think – but if you're if you're the DB coach at Virginia Tech, for instance, and you're the DB coach – like, y'all are both making a salary. You know what I mean? Like, you may not have the advancement opportunities or whatever. And I'm not calling out the DB coach. I'm saying any, any position. Wouldn't you take your job just as seriously regardless of where you coach that? Well, it ain't about taking your job serious, B. It's about – like, this kid was a five-star for a reason. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like you can't discredit that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, these kids, we, you know, these kids might have potential. And ultimately, potential is, you know, is, 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 is ultimately what you want to be able to have kind of a uh, kind of a foundation. Yeah. But, yeah, if I got a kid that runs 4-3 and he's a five-star – I'm probably going to, you know, he's probably going to be a better corner than a kid I have who's, you know, a 4-7 guy. You know what I mean? Or a converted receiver. And and that's not always the case. Right. But, you know, it just gives you a better chance to succeed when you, you know, when you start with the bigger, bigger talent pool, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think the one thing that I'm overlooking and just to communicate that to the fan base is how young this team is. You know, these kids, Caleb was just a receiver a spring ago. You feel what I'm saying? And um, Bryce was playing special teams. And 
you know, Willis was red-shirting and Hazleton was red-shirting. And you just go – Darisaw is a true freshman, but he was at Fork Union. Like, you just go down yeah. the roster. And, B, I, I, I think what you're saying all that, I think Coach Fuente and their staff realizes, one, they know what they're working with. And I don't think they ever – came out and said we're going for people with national championship. I think that's everybody's hopes and dreams, but then reality sets in and it's like, man, we young. We're gonna be good in a year or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think I think as a as a staff and as a fan base, I think we're pleased and we're happy because we know that you know that the future is bright. You know, the future is bright for Virginia Tech and for these kids. And so that's what you hang your head on. You just want him to continue to, to keep getting better, keep learning, keep growing. You know, even in them losses, man, I always tell my son and even kids that I coach, like, a loss is not really a – well, a loss is a loss, but don't treat it as a loss and treat it as something demoralizing. Treat it as a, as a lesson, man, and learn from it. Learn from what you did wrong and, and try to work on that and try to get better on that and try to – really critique yourself and, you know, be hard on yourself and figure out what you need to do to get your game to the next level. And so even some of these battles they've lost, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they're learning because next year they'll be light years better because of it. Yeah, for sure. And you look at a team like Notre Dame who, you know, they got, I think, as high as number five in the country last year and went on the road in Miami, beat beat the brakes off of them. When they, they came to Tech this year, they're a year older, a year more matured, a year more seasoned, and, and all that sort of stuff. And the reason that Alabama is so successful is they've just been able to build their program up to where that they don't ha- have any attrition. Like, they don't skip a beat when a guy gets injured. When, you know, you even look at Tua, they're talking about his knee, you know, and they're talking about, okay, they're playing. forgot who they have this weekend, but next weekend, I think they have – Arkansas maybe this weekend? No, Tennessee. They have Tennessee, but next weekend they have LSU. So it's like, should we sit to We got Jalen, who's a 26-2 and two as a starter. You know what I mean? Like, that's a luxury to have a 26-2 and two guy come off your bench, you know? so Exactly. And, and like I said, it goes back into it's not it's being dead. that difficult to win games, you know? So all, all that plays a part. And, and another thing about the youth, Another thing about the youth, man, I can remember I can remember when I was a young guy on the field, right? Like, I was ready to make plays. I was ready to make plays, but at the same time, I didn't approach the game like I did when I was a junior. When I was out there and I got a call from Coach Bud Foster, I was like, all right, let me line up. I know the call, and I'm playing. My next year, the game slowed down so much. I'm like, all right, let me look at the split. All right, it's second and seven. What did this team love to do on second and seven? That's when you start making plays. Yeah. When you're not just listening to the call and going out there and lining up because of your inexperience. That's when you start turning into a dominant defense. And the more experience these guys get, the more that's how they're going to think. So that's why I'm, I just can't wait to see these guys, you know, just grow in this defensive scheme. Yeah. 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 Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping our coaching staff, you know, really – because I we aren't there in practice, so I don't know what they're harping on or what they're teaching them. But I just know how we were prepared and taught and really taught the mental part of the game as much as our, our physical part. You know, so like the mental part of a scout period was important to us 
as the physical part of a team drill. You know what I mean? So, and that enabled us to play really well and be prepared. I remember being in games and completely knowing what the offense was getting ready to do just because of preparation. You know what I mean? Like formation and preparation. So, um, definitely excited about this team's future. How do you feel about the coaches, not, not Virginia Tech coaches, um, I'm I'm pointing out, for instance, the UVA Miami game. You know, Miami ended up losing by three. Mark Rick is down at the half, thirteen to six, right? And he changes quarterback. And the first drive, they mowed the ball down the field, and he elects they're in field goal range. He elects to go for it instead of taking the points. So how do you feel about co- coaches who are making $4 million a year? Kind of, It's one thing to have your players make mistakes, but then it's another thing when your coaches make mistakes, you know? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, that's a risk he took to go for it. You know, I'm not going to fault a guy for going for it. Um, you know, I, I think about the, you know, NFL game. Uh, gosh, what coach was it Smith, that went Smith for Bay? and gave – and gave no, and gave gave the other team the ball, and ultimately lost the game. Oh, uh, the Colts! I think the Colts. I'm not gonna punt it. The Colts, bro. Yeah. You, you you're not a very good football team. You better punt it. And and I didn't agree with him going forward in that situation. But every situation is a little bit different. And I don't mind uh, Coach Rick going for it right there. I you know I lived in Georgia for a long time, so I followed Coach Rick for a very long time. And um, you know, I think he's earned the right to. You know, to go for it then and there versus a young, but when, you know, a first-time head coach and, uh, um, you know, and the guy who's in uh, Frank Wright. Yeah, Frank Wright. In, yeah. Uh, in, in but, see, the difference, D, is both the McVeigh situation, the uh, Frank Wright situation, those are game-determining plays. So I understand you debating that. But when you're in the third quarter and you got a whole half of football left to play, I I my school of thought is take the points, you know, and, yeah. and we'll cross those bridges when we get there versus, you know, even like something I want to talk about, you know, pulling quarterbacks, you know, fre- playing freshman court, like just kind of just overdoing stuff instead of keeping it simple. Like even Nick Saban, me and Brandon talked about this. Nick Saban waited to the last, the second half of the last game to put two in. He knew he had two on his bench the whole season, but he wasn't eager to just make a rash. And I guess I compare everybody to Nick Saban because he's been so successful. But why wouldn't you em- emulate that? Yeah, I mean, it's each coach's personal preference, man. It's hard to really – jump into the mind of a person and figure out what they're thinking and their rhyme and reason why they do certain things. And, you know, yeah, each, each, each situation is so different, man. It's hard to even, even try to try to justify it, to be honest with you. Cause some things I can't justify, but I mean, that coach, you know, he, he, he's, he's got the keys. It's his, you know, you heard Hugh Jackson say on hard knocks, look, you know, I've been around a lot of stats, you know, when you get the chance to, run your team, you run it how you want it. Right. But this is my team. This is how I'm running. You know what I mean? Right. And so, you know, you, you got a ball. Like, they all got bosses. Even a head coach has a boss. You know what I'm saying? He has an answer to 
you know, if it's a if it's an NFL team, he has to answer to, you know, a general manager and a president and an owner. If it's a college team, they got to answer to the president and hey, you know, the athletic director and, you know, board of trustees and all these other guys, I'm sure. Yeah. I just uh, – I don't know. I, I, I like the – because you always talk about – you always talk about Marquette and Butler and, you know, and the one thing that I think you, you're describing those situations is just well – coached teams that don't yeah 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 now now it doesn't work unless the team is well coached and disciplined because like you know because they are an older team they shouldn't make the same mistakes that a young team should make right you know what i mean like if this team is making the same mistakes we're talking about uh two years from now when those guys are seniors i, I you know i think we'll be a little more disappointed in um Whoever the coach is. You know, in the product. Yeah. yeah. In the product that's on the field, as opposed to, you know, the way we feel now. And and Brandon, you're a, you're a Florida guy. How do you think uh they should have pulled a ten win guy in Rosier for a freshman? Or do you think they kind of <laughs> got caught to be up honest, in the- they they wanted to see what the freshman had. I think the whole fan base wanted to see what the freshman had because he was a highly touted quarterback uh coming in. And it was frustrated with Rozier. They feel like he won 10 games, but they feel like he should have won more. They feel like he missed the open guy all the time. They feel like he holds on to the ball too long. And they just felt like they wanted to see what it would be like if they had some spark at quarterback. And they just wanted to see what kind of run could they go on with uh, putting a young boy back there. And to be honest with you, once they seen Tua come in for Alabama, and seeing the young guy be successful, it's a copycat league. Yeah. Everybody will always want to see what the next guy has. If he looking yeah. good in practice and he got the scout team, you know, completing on the starters and he got a little juice to him in the locker room, they go want to see what he can produce yeah. uh, on the field. So I think that's what that whole, you know, that whole switch was about. Yeah, and, and just to be clear, I think that week – that Thursday, Baker Mayfield took over for Ty. And then that weekend, Trevor Lawrence took over. Like, that that was like the week of everybody switching their quarterbacks around <laughs> in football. So, um, it's worked for some people. It hasn't worked for others. Nick Saban has decided on Tua at that point, I believe. Um, but I just, I just feel like as a head coach, man, those decisions are so critical. At like, but like, like D said, when it's your team, you got to roll with what you think. Because yeah. what, what would have happened if Saban would have put Tua in? Tua would have came in through two picks for touchdowns. They'd have been like, what is Nick Saban doing? Yeah. You know, uh, Jalen, he's been playing good for you. He won you national championships. You put in a young guy who have no prime time experience, but it worked. So he's a genius. Yeah. I mean, a quarterback got to – I mean, a, a head coach got to go with his gut, man. Sometimes it's going to work out. Sometimes it's not. That's part of being a head coach. Yeah, and I guess you got to deal with the criticism when it don't work out because I'm, exactly. I'm looking at the kid from Miami, and I'm just like, you know, the first road start, tough environment. Well, I mean, we saying that, but, hell, what did – what did, you know, what did Frank do to uh, the top? Took yeah. Sean Glennon out, hostile environment at LSU, and put yeah. tie in. Yeah. yeah. To just, we need a spark. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
I think so, that's that's a little different because Todd came in versus start. Like this kid started the game. Well, even coming in, like it wasn't nothing, it wasn't nothing that was gonna be salvaged or yeah or you know that was gonna happen in that game besides yeah. shell shock a young kid. Yeah, yeah. I just think Miami. I believe they were still undefeated. Uh, have they lost the game this year? Yeah, they lost to LSU. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'm telling you, man. For me, staying in Florida, like a lot of people are frustrated with Rozier. So I don't think it was just something that uh, Mark Rick was just like, "Let me just pull something out of the hat and let me." No, like he'll feel the frustration and pressure from the fan base, everybody around. Like we're not go. They felt like down here they won't win a national championship with Rozier. They hope they can even get to the ACC championship, like with Rozier. They feel like he might win nine games, yeah, but our standards are a little higher. So let's, okay. let's see what this young guy can do for us. So, so, so that's, a, that's a perfect segue to potentially what Virginia Tech's going to be facing. You got Josh would be coming back. Say he gets recovers a, a, a medical redshirt year, and he's a sophomore again next year. So he'll be a, you know, a third-year uh, or, no, a four-year sophomore. And – you got Quincy Patterson, who's a lead 11 quarterback. You got Hendon Hooker. That's one of the questions I always get on, on Twitter is, what are we going to do? Why didn't they play Hendon Hooker? Why, you know, Patterson, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you think we could run into that problem, people not being happy with Josh? I, I personally think Josh could win us a national championship. I think Puente is a good coach, man, and he going to let these boys battle it out in spring practice. I think it's going to be – Originally, Josh is going to take the first uh, first team snaps if he's healthy, and then he's just going to be up front with the team and everybody. If uh, Hooker or Patterson is playing better, they will be the ones who's going to lead this team. I mean, that, that's just how college football is. That's how sports is right now. And it just sucks because Josh coming off injury. If he wasn't coming off injury, it would be his, no doubt about it. But mm-hmm. the fact he's coming back from injury is just going to get open it up for these guys to get a real shot to be the st- starter. And evidently, the coach also is going to go who the team rally around. If the receiver's going out there and making some spectacular catches for some of these other quarterbacks, then he might be, you know, one to point at that guy as his signal caller. So, it's, I mean, we got to cross that bridge when it comes. Because maybe those guys not even as ready as we think they are. So, But it's, I, it's, it's this new age of – like, A, those kids not wanting to sit, right, as a quarterback because we just saw, you know, the kid, Kelly Bryant, potentially transfer. But then it's also the fan base being content with a 10 win, you know, a guy who can win you 10 games as the team kind of grows up and matures around them because that's kind of how I look at our future is as these kids become seniors with Josh as a potential senior, shoot, we we top – five in the country in my opinion you know so but will Quincy be content with playing behind Josh and will Hendon be content playing behind Josh and will the fan base if Josh throw has a tough game will they be ready to throw him aside you know it's like does everybody have that that patience I feel like we just have to cross that bridge when it comes because University of Georgia have three great quarterbacks also the starter, he's not playing bad right now. So, it's not coming up. It's just, hey, should we start somebody else? As long as Josh come and play ball, I don't think this fan base will be thinking, 
hey, what about the freshman behind him? If we win in games, they going to love that Josh. Hey, he's a vet. He leading us to a championship run. Like, that's all they're going to be on now. If he's starting to have a drought, and that's when any college team, they'll be worrying about, like, hey, who do we got behind them now? Like, so, I mean, don't let Josh play ball, man. I think he has nothing to worry about. Yeah. 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 Hopefully we, we can uh, develop a running game at some point, too, and get you got a kid from down your way coming in. It's going to be a good running back for us. Um, talking about transferring, uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier. Nick Bosa deciding to leave, you know, his team. He was voted a team captain. Um, he he had an abdominal injury that was essentially going to keep him out the remainder of the season. Um, but he didn't want to risk further injury, so he decided to essentially withdraw from school and start training and getting ready for the NFL draft. Um how do you guys feel about that? Both of you left school early, but you didn't leave prior to the finish of your season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a little much, but that's today's college football, man. Like, these kids uh, have kind of figured out their value and their worth. And so, and with other people in their ear telling them, man, both of seeing his brother, you know, just get drafted a couple of years ago. I'm sure that played into it, and you know he's a very, very highly, you know, ranked guy. You know, he's a little different, but for me personally, you know, if I'm playing on that team and I'm a guy who got, you know, came out of high school with this kid, and you know, been around him, I'm like, bang, bro, like, like we need you too. You know what I mean? Like, what about the team? But at the same time, I understand where that kid's coming from. Because like I said, it is such a business, man. These kids aren't getting paid, you know? And so when you got a chance to catch a lottery ticket, heck, you got to, you know, everybody playing this mega millions, man, you got to you gotta cash your check. And I yeah. think that's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah and, and me and me being, myself being on the team when we drafted Joy Bosa, and he didn't show up until, what, week five or something like that. Like, you just got to understand, them Bosa's going to go against the grain. They go stand their ground and go with what they believe in. I mean, we didn't see NFL is a little bit different. We always feel like, get your money. So when Bosa didn't show up, we was like, bro, don't come until you get your money. Like, that's fine. With Nick coming out of college, he's gonna have he's gonna have mixed reviews. A lot of his teammates gonna be saying, Nick, man, we want to go in the national championship run, even if you came back for the last three games, man. I love to get a ring with you. Let's share this moment together. But Nick isn't just a regular college player. His brother's already a phenom in the NFL. When yeah, Nick was in college, Bosa, Nick Bosa went to a, a high school down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We drafted Joey. We was like, man, we heard your brother nice too going to Ohio State. First thing he says, like, oh, he's going to be three and out. Like, he a stud. So Nick already has that in his mindset the whole time. Like, hey, I'm coming to do my three. I work out. I train with my brother. I know what it takes. I'm hungry. I'm a dog. I play with a motor. Like, I'm getting there. So, he don't have the typical mindset as a regular college athlete just hoping he can get drafted or hoping he get in first round. Nick knows he's going top 10, top 15. Yeah, so, he got the pedigree. So, yeah, he, he's approaching this as, as if he's already an NFL player. Like, hey, I understand. I love y'all. Y'all my college boys. Hey, but hey, I gotta go get this money. I'm sorry, I gotta go get right. So, yeah. 
I mean, I think, I think, man, you got to do as best for yourself at the end of the day, man, because that's what you're going to college for is to get yeah. a chance to get your degree and, and get play in the job. NFL, yeah. you know? So the NFL yeah. is very possible for him right now. So go ahead and take that stance on what you think will be the best move for you. Yeah, but it'll just be interesting the the backlash that other players would get if if say say I'm say I'm a marginal guy like I'm I'm a second round guy, but I'm like shoot I don't want to get hurt, you know, because I think I can improve my stock. So I'm gonna go two and done. Like guys just start after their sophomore year is like, bro, I'm you know I'm not playing. You know what I mean? I'm just going to train. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. think it'll work. I honestly think the Nick Bosa situation is just so unique just because of what Joey Bosa did when he got in the NFL and they know he can't be blocked and they come from the same pedigree. I think all that plays into, yeah. you know, him going, even if a guy was a first rounder, not even a second rounder, if he's just going off his name and that's it, that won't even sit well with some NFL coaches. Yeah, like, but since his brother, they got a pet. They got they kind of have a blueprint of what he's gonna be. Yeah, when yeah. Joey got in, when Joey got in the camp, he was kind of looking at it like, all right, I see it's like the coaches and every GM mad, but y'all look it over it after this first game and just had that approach about it. And surely after the first game, he was the savior of the Chargers defense. Like <laughs> everybody loved him. Nobody will say nothing bad about him ever. So, I yeah. mean, he he just know what's going on right now. Do you think it's fair that how Kelly Bryant was looked at as selfish for leaving? I, I don't think it's fair at all. I feel like he made the same decision, and people just looking at it an entirely different way for whatever reason it is. And I, I think people, if you think Nick Bosa's situation is different, I think you, you're crazy. You need to apologize on record just how you blasted Kelly Bryant on record because – it's nothing but two college student athletes doing what's best for themselves to help themselves in the future. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my – and we can kind of get ready to wrap it up. Um, but one of my questions that I've we've talked about on one of our NFL episodes is Mel Kuyper has three pass rushers in his top five right now. Do you still feel like it's worth $140 million for Khalil Mack? I'll I, I answer that first. I don't mind. I still do. <laughs> I still do because you don't know how these pass rushes are going to pan out. It's a couple pass rushes that went top five that didn't pan out at all. You know what Khalil Mack do on Sundays when he line up. You can turn on that field. He got a couple years of it. And just the spark he brought to the Bears, man, the Bears didn't have anything interesting about them at all until he got there. When he got there, it sparked their fan base, it sparked their defense, it sparked their team. And now they at the top of their division. I mean, when you draft a rookie, everybody looking at the rook like, all right, you got to prove your worth. This man changed the whole franchise the day he stepped foot in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm paying a pass rush of that because having played the DB position, man, and having played on some teams without a lot of pass rush or consistent pass rush, to have a dominant guy out there snap in and snap out that you know is going to get pressure and the teams are going to game plan for, man, that gives you as a DB, that gives you a little bit of a comfort zone. And um, 
I mean, and you, you just never can't really put got money play on it. with a pass rusher, man. Not, not, not like that. Not a top ten guy in the league. You know, Brian Arakpo was coming on, but it was kind of like he played a season, made a Pro Bowl, missed the season. Played a season, made a Pro Bowl, missed the season. That's ultimately why they didn't pay him, contract, and he was yeah. able to. Yeah, he was able to go somewhere else. But you know, I think about playing in Pro Bowls, and and Dot, you know, when you get on that field, dog, and you lined up at corner, and you see. Your safety is uh, 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 Bob Sanders or Sean Taylor. Your, you know, your pass rushers are uh, Dwight Freeney. Smith and Dwight Freeney. And, you know, all these just gangsters. Man, like Julius Peppers, he's still yeah. playing. How much of a comfort zone do you feel as a DB? Like, man, I ain't got to worry about nothing. At all. You feel like I don't have to worry about double moves. I don't have to worry about deep comebacks. Like, you're not taking a seven-step drop and throwing it on time. If you take a seven-step drop, you'll give me time to recover and make a play on this ball. I just know what I'm working with when I got a pass rush out there. Like, it's a whole different feeling. Now, B, it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay – uh, you know, now let me say this. I don't know if Chicago would have paid uh, Kyle full of that kind of money had they already got a guy like Khalil Mack. But right. when you don't have a pass rusher like that, you tend to have to spend a little mo- more money on your secondary. Like, the money's going to get spent somewhere, B. That's, that's, that's the problem. Are you going to pay a shutdown corner or are you going to pay a uh, 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 legit pass rusher. pass rusher who's yeah. one defensive player of the year, who's young, like yeah. who 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 has been an All Pro and middle backer and outside backer, and so yeah. you know the money's going somewhere, man. I mean, at this point now in 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 the, in the NFL, the money's going to quarterbacks, really left tackles, um, receivers are getting paid, DBs are getting paid, and pass rushers. Whether you're <laughs> A three technique as a D tackle like Aaron Donald, uh, or or uh, or uh, Fletcher Cox, or whether you're an outside pass rusher like a Khalil Mack or Von Miller, yeah. those guys gonna get the money. Or whether you're a shutdown corner like some of the guys who were, you know, in previous years. Josh Norman, the money's know. going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And it all makes you sense. can ultimately hope is that when you're paying a guy. He produces because that's what makes the Rams so good. They got the same amount of money everybody else got. But the guys they're paying the money to is balling. And some guys they're not paying money to is balling. And that's how you get a good team. Like you can't afford when you in the NFL, you can't afford to have a guy making 12 to 15 to 18 million and not performing as if he's making 12 to 15 to 18 to 20 million. You know what I mean? At any position, quarterback, that's why the Blake Bortles deal was kind of strange to a lot of people because nobody thought that Jacksonville would just rest on their on their laurels and 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 and, and stick with with Blake Bortles. Everyone thought, "Man, they're a quarterback away. Watch them go get a stud." And for them to say, "No, nah, we think we can win with this guy." You know, that's why the outside public had all the criticism because no one knew if Blake could do it. And, you know, he's been kind of up and down. So let me ask you this, because I was talking to my God brothers who play receiver this past weekend. And I, I thought about, I was like, man, receiver is probably the last position I would want to play in football because you're dependent not only on the quarterback, 
but you're dependent on the coordinator too to have a scheme but that they can get you the ball. Like, see, see, I'm the total opposite. Receiver's a position I wish I would have played. I might still be playing because <laughs> I just think about the way the rules have changed and how easy it is to be successful. And just think about it. If 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 if, if Antonio Brown has got one catch. They're going to find a reason for it not to be Antonio Brown's fault. You know what I mean? Like, sure. like well, Ben didn't throw the ball, or they had two dudes covering them, or da, 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 da. like, it's so many but, but think about when how you play fr- corner, dog, you, it's just you. But think about how frustrated those guys get. Like, you you play 50 snaps and you get seven touches. But check this out. A.B.'s frustrated. A.B. still leads the league in targets. I mean – like, how frustrated can you be when you still lead the league in targets, complaining well, about not getting balls? Yeah. Um, well, I, I know. So, Odell. I mean, you kind of got to see the big picture, too. You don't see Julio complaining. Julio's happy with cashing his check. I mean, he, 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 has, he, has a, he has a quarterback, though. But imagine being Odell right now. Odell's got his money, though. Yeah, he's mad. But at the end of the day, his check going to be the same whether he catch 20 balls or he catch one. And well, so wanna... that's why a lot of dudes pout and they act mad, but at the end of the day, they ain't really tripping, man. Cause but, but they, they they know that, yeah, I want to win and I'm trying to do everything in my power to win, but he ain't getting me the ball. So but, really but, it's frustrating. But but, but D, let me let me just present this too. It's just these are guys who want to be Hall of Famers, though. So they can't waste years, healthy years, statistically. Yeah, they can't. I mean, that's part of football, man. I mean, you get guys, you get guys like uh, Randy Moss who wish he could have played with Tom Brady for his whole career, but he only got to spend a couple years with him. So the numbers go always average out. You're not really gonna have a highly ranked, touted, experienced receiver with a quarterback to go with him. Not too many times in this league that happens. Like just a all pro quarterback and an all pro receiver every year. That's never really gonna happen. So when you get yeah. your window with a quarterback, you gotta take advantage of it. Everybody knows Eli maybe not he might not be in New York next year. They might get a stud. Then OBJ have six years with him. So make him count. His numbers still yeah. are good. His numbers still was what top five receivers amongst receivers with their first three, four years in the league. Yeah. Uh, leading into this year, so it's not like he didn't have any stats at all. He's just frustrated this year, you know. Yeah. In the playoff game last year, Eli was putting him on the money. What well, a year before, I'm sorry, Eli was pulling putting it on the money, and he just didn't perform. So it's just you go, it, you got to take the good with the bad at uh, receiver, man. You he gonna get his quarterback. I guarantee you, New York will have a stud within the next three years at quarterback. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I wish we had Eddie here for that conversation. That'd have been a good, uh, good topic for him, man. Being a, a former All-Pro receiver himself and, and Pro Bowl receiver, but um, Hokie Nation, uh, we appreciate you all's patience. Uh, Brandon and, and D Hall, I appreciate y'all coming on, man. Taking some time out of y'all busy schedule, and um, you know, next week we got Georgia Tech, and we'll see what happens. All right, no doubt. It's been a lot of tackling. Oh, yeah. I remember that year we played Air Force, dog. I'm out there thinking I'm about to be out here covering some routes. I should have known all week of film, boy. They might have threw 10 balls. <laughs> oh, man. This is the game we, you we, go three safeties in one corner. Yep. 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 Absolutely. All right.
I'll talk to y'all later. Yeah. All right, cool. You've been listening to This Is Home Podcast. This episode features Brandon Flowers and D'Angelo Hall.